0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Yeah, so I hope you had a bit of a, a laugh on um, on the game. It's quite hard actually, isn't it? Because you, you hear them and you think, I know that, I know that, and you just can't think of the the song at all. So, but you know... Music plays an important part in our lives, doesn't it? And that's why I wanted to kind of do that game today, because um, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, music, because nice, soft... Sorry, I've just been sucking a love heart, so I've now got a lot of flavoured... No, I'm fine, but I've got a lot of flavoured juices going around in my mouth, so I'm just kind of trying to absorb those for a minute. But the nice... The nice, soft music, doesn't it? It lulls us into, like, a romantic feeling, doesn't it? You know, when you hear films and and all that type of stuff. Then loud, victorious music. I don't know if you've ever ever seen, like, Les Mis, where the loud, victorious, you just want to get up and start marching with them, don't you? You know, so that does that. And then creepy, horrible horror films. I mean, if you ever watch a horror film and turn the sound down, it doesn't actually make... it, It makes the film a bit... Nothing really, isn't it? But then turn the music up loud, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know. I remember watching The Ring. Have anybody seen The Ring? And I had the music, and when you turned it down, it was just a girl with long hair. You know what I mean? So it, it, music makes all the difference. And who knows when you hear, duh, 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 what you expect? Exactly. So if you were in the sea and somebody started playing that, you'd obviously run straight out, isn't it? So music plays a huge part in our lives. It provides. Uh, it provides for a mood. It provides identity, so you're all identifying the f- films and the programmes from that music. We connect with words with it, don't we? Like Pretty Woman. I know every song in Pretty Woman, because I love that film. And it affects our emotions, doesn't it? Like I said, lull, nice music makes us all romantic and soft. And loud, victorious music, if you, you know, if you just an argument with somebody and there's a big thing on, you just want to go and take their head off, don't you? So music plays a massive part in our lives, and research has shown that it has massive actually mental well-being um, thing and physical health to us as well. So, did you know music can make you happier? Yes, yeah? so there's research on that. I'm not going to go through all the research but it actually releases something in your brain that actually makes you happier. Music lowers stress and improves health and reduces depression. Music helps you sleep better. So if you're struggling with sleep me- music helps you sleep better and if you're that interested, I've got all the research if you want to have a look at it after. Music helps you eat less. I know, that's what I need to do. I need to put some music on. I think when I'm in the house, I've clearly got to have the radio on all the time. Music alleviates your mood while driving, so you're not going to have so much road rage. Music strengthens learning and memory. Music reduces pain. Music helps Alzheimer patients remember. Music improves recovery in stroke patients. Music increases verbal intelligence and music raises IQ and academic performance. We needed a bit of that tonight, do not we? And music keeps your brain healthy in old age. And all those 12 things, and there's a couple more, but those 12 things, all those have been proven by research that music can help you in all those different things. So it's no wonder that the Bible tells us over 200 times that we should sing i'll mention a couple psalm 33 says sing for joy to the lord psalm 96 sing a new song to the lord psalm 9 sing praises to god psalm 147 sing to the lord with thanksgiving and there's many many more over 200 times god through the bible tells us to sing so it doesn't matter if you've got a beautiful voice like me thank you ellen doesn't matter if you've got a beautiful voice like me or you just make a noise, like other people, Andrea. Um, <laughs> but we have been born to sing. So we've looked at a few theme tunes tonight, uh, and you were a- a- asked to identify the film and the programme, and I think most of you did pretty good. Well, this group of you did pretty good. There's a couple of dodgy ones, here, But you know, a powerful anthem can, can kind of stir you up, can't you? Music is a pick-me-up if you're feeling down. A victory song can make you think, yeah, I can do anything. And a ballad can soothe you after a really heavy day when you just need to be de-stressed. So who remembers the sketch in Little Britain but with Dennis Waterman? Anybody remember that one? Yeah. 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 So Dennis Waterman, for you young ones, was in the minder. Remember that? Yeah. And who remembers the music for minder? <laughs> Do-do-do-do-do. So anyway, Dennis Waterman wrote the theme music and sang the theme music. And so Little Britain always used to do a sketch, sing the theme music, speak the music. <laughs> Dennis Waterman, have a look at it when you go home. Dennis Waterman was a very little guy, and he, he wrote the theme music, sang the theme music, and that, that's all he wanted to do. He wanted to write the theme music, ding, 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 And he used to go like that. So anyway, if you're a bit young, you won't know. So anyway... <laughs> Tonight, I just want to ask you, what theme music are you singing or you've written over your life? You see, one psychologist says this about the words that we speak. By holding a positive and optimistic word in your mind, you stimulate frontal lobe activity. This area includes specific language centers that connect directly to the motor cortex responsible for moving you into action. As our research has shown, the longer you concentrate on positive words, the more you begin to affect other areas of your brain. Functions in the perital lobe start to change, which changes your perception of yourself and the people you interact with. A positive view of yourself will bias you towards seeing the good in others, whereas a negative self-image will include you towards suspicion and doubt. Over time, the structure of your brain will change in response to your conscious words, thoughts, and feelings. And we believe that the the, 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 thalamic, the changes, affects the way in which you perceive reality. So in other words, what he's saying is the words in your brain actually change your brain, will affect your actions, and will actually then change the reality around you. How many people do we know that have kind of, you know, maybe seen something that really wasn't there? And you're like, no, that's not the case. Yeah, it's because maybe negativity already in their lives are causing them to see the bad in others instead of the good in others. And all of a sudden they become victims and all of a sudden everything, everyone, everything is against them. You see, Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So you be careful, ladies, what you speak over your life, because what you think, therefore what you speak, you are. So have you heard the saying, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. So what I want to talk to you tonight is about theme tunes that you are maybe singing over your life, that you have placed on your life, that you have written for your life. So maybe this is your theme tune. I want to know what love is. There are many reasons why a person may feel unloved. It's not always because somebody's forgotten your birthday or your husband's forgotten your anniversary. It might not be that they, you know, somebody's forgotten to ask you how you are or anything like that. It might be a genuine reason why you don't feel loved. There are lots of genuine reasons, but maybe it is something because something's happened to you, somebody said something to you, whatever it may be. But on the days that you feel unloved, you have to remember you are loved. Okay? So what I'm trying to say to you, ladies, if you are singing "Unlove over your life, then I'm telling you, you are love. No need to shake your head. OK, you are loved, even when you're at your lowest. You see, many of us categorise God's love as what we are used to in relationships that we had. Maybe a husband has left us. Maybe a husband has had an affair. Maybe a boyfriend hasn't been good to us. Maybe a parent hasn't been the parent they should be. And what we then do is we kind of categorise God's love as being that of what we are used to from a human. But I want to tell you that that is not how God's love works. God is love and he loves you. And the reality of God's love surrounds you every single day. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, what kind of love is this that the Father has given to us? that We should be called children of God. Romans 5 says, God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And Jeremy 31 says, I have always loved you. So I continue to show you my constant love. Do you want unshakable, unmistakable, unbreakable proof that God loves you? Do you? Then look no further than the fact that he died for you. We've sung it tonight. God died for you. Ponder on that for a moment because those words are enormous. So if you're singing unloved over your life, then start changing your tune. Because John 15 says greater love has no one than this, that somebody lays down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what God has done for you. God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. God's love for you is so extravagant that he is willing to sacrifice his son for you. Tim Keller puts it like this, and I think this is lovely. The Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet, I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to do it. So you need to change your theme tune. You need to sing something different over your life. Instead of singing, I want to know what love is, try singing this, the overwhelming never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you gave yourself away. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. So on the days that you are feeling unloved, know that God's love will never, ever give up on you. God's love will never, ever fail you. God's love will never, ever run out. God's love will always be there. So the second theme tune you might be singing is this. The words you're singing that might be what you're telling yourself your home is a mess but it's not half as messy as your life your partner isn't talking to you your work seems out of control your social relationships aren't going the way you want them to go you feel like something's missing you feel your life is a tragedy you know we all go through points in our lives where we seem out of control our life seems out of control we all go through tragedies that happen to us but jesus says he's come to give you an abundant life So if you're not living that abundant life, maybe it's because you're singing the wrong theme tune over your life. Luke 15 uh, is a story of a tragedy. It's a young lad who gets fed up of living at home and doing what he needs to do, normal life. He decides to ask his dad for his inheritance or his part of it. I mean, that's equivalent to saying, Dad, I can't wait till you die. So can I have the money now? So after he gets his inheritance, we all know the story, he takes it, he squanders it, he has a fab life, he's got fab friends, he's got everything he wants, and he, but he squanders it completely, the Bible says, on loose living. So in context, what that means is he leaves behind the Holy Land and goes voluntary into Uh, into the gentile pagan country that he's not from because he knows that he can do what he wants say what he wants spend what he wants with nobody kind of watching him or looking at him he wanted to get out of god's land so he can live as he wanted and the lifestyle that he wanted and away from his father's eyes so off he goes he did his own thing he enjoyed life for a while he had lots of friends and he spent it all he got so, so bad that the money ran out and guess what ran out with them? What always runs out when your money runs out? Your friends. He lost everything. He no longer had a home. He had no money. He had no friends. And he ended up having to go and work in this pigsty. And he got so low that he had no wealth at all. He got so low that he ended up eating what the pigs uh, had to eat. And it was at that point he thought, this is ridiculous. I can't get any lower. This is ridiculous. I'll go back to my father and I'll just say, i tell you what, I'll just be a servant. It's fine. But it's got to be better than where I am at the moment. His life was a tragedy. He'd messed up over and over and over again. And he found himself eating what the pigs were eating. Couldn't get any lower. So off he goes and instead, when he got to the the farm, we all know the story, the son got close to the farm and Luke tells us that the father saw him afar off, in the distance, out there somewhere, which suggests that the father was constantly looking for him, constantly thinking about him, constantly hoping that one day his son would come back. Now, during the time, it wasn't custom for men to run, but the father ran to him threw his arms around him. And when he realizes that, obviously, this is my son, he threw his arms around him, gave him a massive kiss of love. He ordered the servants to get the best robe, put a ring on his finger, all kind of showing him that he was back in favor. You see... When your life is a tragedy, when you've gone your own way, when you've done your own thing, when things haven't worked out and things are a disaster, God is still waiting for you and looking out for you. God is still waiting for you and looking out for you. Your tragic life will be transformed from a state of destitution and destruction to complete restoration. The son didn't go back in as a servant. He went back in as a son and an heir. This is what God's grace does for us. Not only are we forgiven, we are restored. So you don't need to sing tragedy over your life anymore. Deuteronomy 30 says this, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you've been scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. So you don't need to have the tragedy of your life. You don't need to be singing that song over your life because no matter how low you might have got, no matter what has happened to you, God is waiting for you. And the minute you come back, God is there to restore you. So instead of singing tragedy, why not try singing this? I've been strong, and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful and I've been reckless at every bend. I've held everything together and watched it shatter. I've stood tall and I crumbled in the same breath. I've wrestled and I've trembled towards surrender, chased my heart adrift and drifted home again, plundered blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. But every time I turn around, Lord, you're still there. I was found. Before I was lost I was yours before I was not grace to spare for all my mistakes and that part just wrecks me. But maybe you're singing this song Am I must enough Am I must a generation of women who have never worked harder to have it all and yet go to bed most nights worrying that we haven't got enough, aren't we? We are constantly asking why, we are constantly measuring, it doesn't matter if we're single, we're married, we're rich, we're poor, we're in college, we're in work, we just struggle with being happy really with what we have and what we are, we are always looking around to see how we measure up and women are more uh, most of the men we are always looking around and measuring up against other people what have I got in compared to them what have they got in comparison to me we focus on ways we fall short instead of focusing on ways that we uh, can excel in a world where we are constantly exposed to social media and the reality TV programs it is so easy to look at what they have and say I haven't got enough or I'm not good enough The feeling of not being good enough can start a childhood. And as you grow up by comparing and contrasting and looking and looking, then we just exuberate the, the problem and it gets worse and worse and worse. Until in the end, all we can think about is that we are not good enough. Regardless of external factors causing the feeling for the same time, we might do something well and somebody will congratulate us and say, oh, that was really good. And we're like, yeah. And then something happens and you go, oh, that's proof I'm not good enough. I'm not enough You can fill in the blank with anything. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not outgoing. I'm not attractive. I'm not tall enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not young enough. Basically, it comes down to I'm not good enough. But I can tell you it's one of the enemies.